Heavenly Father, we turn to you this morning and we pray that as we open up your word, that we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to equally open up your word to us, to help us to understand what we're reading and help us to apply it to our lives. Help us to hear your voice speaking to us, to know, Lord, what you are saying. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, we are continuing through the book of Joshua and Joshua chapter 6. And uh, you may remember that last time I, I did what is effectively a bit of a long introduction where I talked about how um, really the Battle of Jericho comprises of just two verses in the chapter, just two verses talking about the attacking of the people of Jericho and defeating it. And really the victory in Jericho was not won through the battle. The victory was won beforehand. Uh, Israel was victory, victorious, because they operated in full submission of God. And the real victory in a Christian's life is when we are in a place of full submission to God. They were able, to, the walls were able to fall. The Israelites were able to go in and take the city because they were in submission to God. And if we want victory in our life, we need to be in full submission to God as well. And I talked about how there are two types of believer. There is a wilderness believer and there is a warrior believer. Just as there were those Israelites that spent their entire life in the wilderness. And then there was this new generation of Israelites who were warriors who pressed in to the promised land. And I turned to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 where Paul talks about two types of Christian. One, one type of Christian is called a carnal Christian. The other type of Christian is a spiritual Christian. A carnal Christian is one who is walking in the flesh, relying upon their own strength, relying upon their own wisdom, who never seems to make any substantial progress in their walk with God, who has continual defeat and never really gets to a place of victory. Whereas a spiritual Christian is one who is walking in the spirit, one who is relying upon God, one who is operating in faith, uh, one who is pressing forward into the fullness of, of what God has for them. Likewise, the wilderness believer in the days of Israel, they lived and died in the wilderness. They were saved from Egypt, but they never entered the promised land. They never came into the fullness of what God had promised for them. They experienced sin, failure and defeat. Whereas the warrior believer, the warrior Israel, that generation that went into the promised land, they crossed the Jordan in faith and they entered into the promised land. They pressed into the fullness of what God had for them. They took up the sword and they went to battle and they fought the flesh of the land. They overcame the strongholds and they gained victory after victory. And that is a picture of what the true victorious Christian, the spiritual believer is like. You overcome the strongholds in your life. You gain victory after victory. You press into the land and you come to the fullness of what God has for you. And I talked about the four marks of a carnal believer, the four marks of a wilderness Christian. One mark of a carnal Christian, uh, a wilderness Christian, is that you're a babe in Christ. You've never gone on to a place of maturity. You, um, and this was the wilderness believers in the days of Moses. They were saved from Egypt, but they lacked growth. They lacked maturity. 
They needed to be fed every day by the manna, the same way that a babe is fed with manna. And they needed the constant attention of Moses. They weren't able to stand in their own faith. The second mark of a carnal believer is that they are ruled by sin and failure. And this was the wilderness Christians in the days of Moses. When Moses came down from the mountain, Israel were caught in idolatry and sin. They were also wrapped up in a rebellion led by Korah to, over, to revolt against Moses. There was sin and defeat there as the, as the ground swallowed up this rebellion. And they failed to enter the promised land because they, they, they didn't believe the testimony of the ten spies. They operated in sin and failure. The third characteristic we saw of a carnal Christian or of the wilderness believer is that they may be gifted, but they are unfruitful. God gives gifts to his church through individuals, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit is, the, is manifested by the Holy Spirit in operation in a person's life. It is the mark of maturity to, to be developing and showing forth fruit. Fruit is distinct from gifts. And we saw that the wilderness believers in the days of Moses, there was no joy there. There was no peace. There was no patience and long suffering. Those, that fruit of maturity. There was dissension. There was uncleanness. There was selfish ambitions. There was revelry. They displayed the marks of a carnal believer, not a spiritual believer. And the fourth trait of a carnal believer, of the wilderness believer, was that they were unable to receive solid food. Um, they were they were maybe able to acquire knowledge in the way of growing in knowledge, but they weren't able to translate it from the head to the heart. They weren't able to put it into practice. So there might be you might be intelligent and you might be well educated. You might be a university lecturer, a, a medical practitioner, a politician, a business leader, but you can still be carnal. Whereas a road sweep a supermarket attendant, a bricklayer or somebody unemployed can be spiritual because they've taken the word of God and they've applied it to their lives. It's gone from the head to the, to the heart. And this was the wilderness believer in the day of Moses. They heard the law spoken by Moses and they swore to uphold the law, but they failed to translate it from their head to the heart. They failed to live it out in their lives. And so we see that they remained in the wilderness, immature, carnal. I also want to emphasise that even though they let, stayed in the wilderness, they remained the children of God. And even though a Christian may be carnal, that doesn't mean that they're not saved. Our salvation is secure. But the other thing I emphasise at the end is that God doesn't want us to stay in the wilderness. God doesn't want us to continue going round and round in sin and defeat and immaturity. He wants us to cross the Jordan. He wants us to enter the promised land. He wants us to experience victory in the areas of sin, failure and defeat in our lives. He wants us to come to a place where we experience the fullness of God. And so now as we turn to Joshua chapter 6 and we look at the journey that uh, they go through in this chapter, we see the life of the warrior Christian. The hallmarks, the traits of a warrior Christian. So let's look. Joshua chapter 6 verse 1 we read. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. 
Jericho had seen Israel coming before they'd crossed the Jordan. Everybody had gone and barricaded themselves into this fortress, locked up the doors. They were safe and secure inside. And Jericho is a picture of the flesh, uh, of the besetting sins, the problems of life. Um, and so often those areas of, of the flesh in our lives are seemingly impenetrable and insurmountable. They are securely shut up. And that... And yet Jericho was unforgiving, unyielding. None went out and none came in. And sometimes when it comes to the sins of our lives, we feel as if they're unforgiving, unyielding. There is no movement in giving it. The writer observes the seeming impregnable fortress of Jericho. He saw the problem and he saw the impossible job that lay before Israel to be able to, to defeat that city. And if we are to move from the carnal to the spiritual, we must first look honestly at the problem and recognise that it is insurmountable. Our sin, our nature is insurmountable. It is too great for us to conquer. It is too great for us to deal with. But the spiritual Christian knows not only that they, that they, um, that the problem is insurmountable and too great for them to conquer, but with the power of God indwelling them, they are able to overcome the fortresses and the strongholds in their life. The spiritual Christian knows they cannot live or operate without the daily filling of the Holy Spirit. And so daily they cry out for the Holy Spirit to indwell them, to empower them to serve God. Daily they recognise their innate weakness and inability to serve God apart from the Holy Spirit. And so it is with the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, we're able to overcome the flesh. We're able to overcome the Jerichos in our lives. We're able to overcome insurmountable odds. This, um, the filling of the Holy Spirit is not merely to equip for an act of service, such as preaching this morning, or to aid in some specific area of temptation. It is to be a way of life. Daily, we should be asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It says in Romans 8, verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. To be a spiritual Christian, to be a warrior believer, you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you acknowledge the problem and you ask God, to fill you with the Holy Spirit and face it in his strength and power. Let's look at verse 2. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valour. Now in verse 1, we saw the earthly perspective. This barricaded fortress, insurmountable, impregnable, with everybody looked inside. But in verse 2, we see the heavenly perspective. The Lord says to Joshua, I have given Jericho into your hand. The Lord is speaking in a past tense notice. God is speaking, saying, you know, I've given you victory. The victory's won. The victory's already yours. And the spiritual Christian, the warrior Christian, looks at God, that things from God's point of view. They see that the victory is already won, that it is a finished work in Jesus Christ. You see, the wilderness believer, the carnal Christian, 
They see the flooded banks of the Jordan. They see the fortress of Jericho. They see the folly of circumcision. And they see the innumerable foes that occupy the land. All they see is the problem. But for the warrior believer, the spiritual Christian, they see, like it says in Luke 1.37, that nothing will be impossible with God. They see with the eyes of faith. They see that the victory is already won. They see that all you need to do is step forward and claim that victory. It's a different perspective being a spiritual person, a warrior Christian. You know, the wilderness believer formulates a strategy, develops a battle plan. They position their battering rams to deal with their flesh. They erect a siege ramp to overcome their sin. And they try to overcome the insurmountable odds in their own strength. And that will only lead to defeat. And it will not bring the victory. They'll, they'll develop strategies like, well, what I'll do is I'll count to 10 before I react or I'll not expose myself to influence. They're trying to do things in their own strength to deal with their sin and it'll only end in defeat. But for the warrior believer who is circumcised in the heart, they put themselves in a position where they are fully yielded to God. They depend upon him to defend and shield them. And they know the fortress is too big to scale and the enemy too great to conquer by themselves. So they submit to God and they know that the battle is not yours, but God's. As it says in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 15, the battle is not yours, but God's. And they trust in God to bring the victory. Let's go on to verses three and five. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. Then it shall come to pass, when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every man, straight before him. So here we see God's plan. For six days, the company is to leave the camp. The lead is to be taken by the priests with their trumpets. And they are to be followed by the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And then they are to be followed by the army with their swords. And then the company are to march around the city once. The priests are to blow their trumpets and the army is to remain silent. And then they are to return to the camp. They are to do this every day. But on the seventh day, the company is to march around the city seven times. And when Joshua gives the command to shout, then the entire company will shout, having been silent the six days before. And at that point, the entire wall will collapse and the army can march in and take the city and kill the inhabitants. That's the battle strategy that God gives Joshua and Joshua passes on to Israel. Now. There are two responses. The wilderness Christian, the wilderness believer will say, well, has there ever been a more illogical, nonsensical battle strategy as this? Any amount of reliance uh, upon this strategy is going to end in defeat and they dismiss it completely out of camp. They just cannot see the logic, the wisdom, how this is going to succeed. And so what they do is they rely upon their own intellect and, and they don't press forward. 
because they can't see how it's going to succeed. And indeed, any amount of reliance upon human intellect would have dismissed this military strategy out of the camp before it even begun. If they relied upon their own human reason, they would have rejected this plan. But we see we're dealing with warrior Christians, warrior believers, and they may not understand the battle strategy of the Lord. They might not think it makes any sense. They don't understand it at all. But they recognise the voice and the directing of the Lord. And they operate in obedience to that voice and that command. They don't rely upon their intellect. They operate by faith to trust what God is saying. You see, the, we all know Isaiah 55 verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. What God says to us, the way that God guides us, doesn't always make sense. We can't reconcile it with our thinking sometimes. But it says in Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. If you're to be a spiritual Christian and not carnal, you need to operate in faith, walking in obedience and faith to what God is saying, whether you comprehend it or not. And this is what Israel were doing. Let's move on to verses 6 to 11. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march round the city and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets. And the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went uh, before the priests who blew the trumpets with the rear guard came after the Ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout. Then you shall shout. So he had the Ark of the Lord encircle the city going around it once. And then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. So here we see the fourth mark of a, uh, a spiritual Christian, of a warrior believer. Joshua communicated God's plan to Israel. They took up the trumpet, the ark and the sword, and they took a step of faith. It is but one step to go from the carnal to the spiritual, to go from the wilderness to, the, to being a warrior. And that is a step of faith. It is but one step to go from a life ruled by the flesh to a life ruled by the spirit. And that step is recognising where you stand is the life of the old man and, the, and where you must be is the life of the new man. Israel had God's word and promise, but it only takes effect if it's mingled with faith. If it's, and faith, of course, is born out in action. James 2, 26, faith without works is dead. They had the word of faith, but then they took that word and they put it into action. They operated in faith. That is an important step for the, um, for the spiritual Christian to step out in faith. The step of faith is dismissing a life of defeat and wilderness wandering and committing to a life surrendered to God. Trusting yourself fully to his direction and care. And when you operate in faith, you are walking in the spirit. You are surrendered to the will of God. You know, they could have quite easily walked around that uh, city and things could have been thrown over the walls to land upon them. But they decided to step out in faith. They put their faith 
in the word of God. It was born in their action. Let's move on to verses 12 to 15. And Joshua rose early in the morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Then the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them. But the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only they marched around the city seven times. You know, the walls didn't fall on the first day. The walls didn't come down on the second day. And after a full six days, the walls still remained standing. There was no loosening in the mortar. There was no uh, one or two crumblings of, uh, of brick coming down. The wall was just as strong on the sixth day as it was on the first day. And even when they'd marched round seven times on the seventh day, that wall was still standing. Victory took time. Victory was a while in coming. And the warrior believer waits for the Lord to bring victory. They don't expect quick fix solutions. They have learned to play the long game. They have learned to wait upon the Lord. And this is a sign of being a spiritual believer. This is a sign of being a warrior Christian. You know what it means to wait upon the Lord. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If you want to walk and not faint, if you want to mount up on eagles' wings, you need to learn to wait upon the Lord. If you want to move forward in your walk with the Lord, you need to wait for the Lord and you need to develop that godly patience, which is part of the fruit of the Spirit. You know, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has made everything beautiful in his time. And the warrior Christian has learned to align his life with God's timetable, not their own. Instead of trying to get God to operate according to their timetable, they've learned to submit to God's timetable. The wilderness Christian, on the other hand, wants instant gratification. They see a problem, they formulate a plan and they execute, execute a solution. There's no waiting upon the Lord. I mean, there might be a token prayer, but really they're not prepared to wait the long game. They put together what they believe is the right strategy usually, and then they ask God to bless their plans instead of waiting upon God to give them his plan. Are you prepared to wait upon the Lord for him to give you his plan, or are you going to develop your plan and just ask God to bless it? It's the difference between being carnal and being spiritual. Joshua asked the commander of the, the Lord's armies in chapter 5, are you for us or for our adversaries? And the commander of the army of the Lord's hosts said, no. In other words, that's the wrong question. It's not whether the Lord is on your side. It's a question of, are you on the Lord's side? Will you do things God's way? And if God is not forthcoming, are you willing to wait for God to reveal his plan? Israel had to march around Jericho 13 times. Israel had to be patient, but patience led to victory.
Let's read verse 16. And the seventh time it was so, when the priests blew the trumpets, that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. At the time of the shout, the walls were still standing, but it was a shout of anticipation of victory. It was a word spoken in faith. The mark of a warrior Christian is they declare a word in faith. They speak out in faith. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth the, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You see, it's not just sufficient to believe in your heart. You must put it upon your lips. You must confess with your mouth to be saved as well. It's not about just believing in your heart. It must come upon your lips as well. There must be that word of faith. You see, our salvation is an act of faith in the heart mingled with that confession from the mouth. And progression in salvation is a continual act of faith in the heart mingled with a confession of the mouth. It's amazing how you can have an idea and a thought formulating in your mind. But the moment you speak it, it seems to be, take on a whole new form in your thinking. It becomes stronger and more entrenched. And you might start to feel that God is communicating something to you. But the moment you speak it out, you share it with somebody else or you pray about it, it takes on a whole new strength. It becomes concrete in your head and it becomes more substantial. And we must be people who speak the word of faith, who declare what God is saying to us to show that it's becoming real to us. To be a warrior believer, a spiritual believer, you must continue to believe in the heart and confess with your mouth. Talk to your brothers and sisters in Christ about what the things the Lord has spoken to you about. That's why it's good to have testimony time. As you share what God has done in your life, so you're speaking forth a word of faith. And it becomes more substantial. Plus, it edifies your brothers and sisters in Christ as well. Share with your brethren the insights the Holy Spirit has given you in his word. Show you, share those things he has shown you. You know, the wilderness believer, the carnal believer, does not operate in faith toward the word of God and the promises of God. They listen to the voice of their own heart instead of the voice of the Holy Spirit. They see the walls of Jericho, but they live in defeat never seeing the victory that is possible. Their mouth remains closed. The walls remain standing. The carnal and immature believer continues in defeat. Let's go on to verses 17 to 19. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction and all who are in it. Only Rahab the prostitute shall live. She and all who are with her in the house because she hid the messengers that we sent. And you, by all means, keep yourselves from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. When the victory came, God was to be honoured. The accursed things were to be untouched. The gold and silver and bronze and iron were to be consecrated to the Lord. The warrior believer, the spiritual believer, is to be is to be sanctified to the Lord. They are to be separated from the things of the flesh, the accursed things, and then they are to give God the glory for the victory. They are to consecrate the gold. You see, the warrior believer says it's all about God. 
the wilderness believer says it's all about me. The warrior believer is concerned about giving God glory. The wilderness believer is concerned about getting his needs met. Very often God will allow us to come to the end of ourselves, come to the place where we are powerless. Only then can we see it has to be by him and him alone. And when we see that it is by him and him alone, we cannot but help but give him the glory. You know, God has brought me to the place where I've realised I am powerless to run a church. I lack the wisdom. I lack the strength. I lack the know-how. The only way that this thing works is if I rely upon God, if I trust in him, if I give him the glory. Zechariah 4.6 says, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It has to be by the power of the Holy Spirit that this work accomplishes, and by no other means. And if it's accomplished by the Spirit, then it is God's work, and God gets the glory. The wilderness believer maintains control and is always in the driving seat. But for the warrior believer, he is led by the Holy Spirit and he surrenders control to God. When you live a surrendered life, a spirit-led life, a spirit-controlled life, you don't take the glory. You don't take the applause. You give it all to Jesus. And that should be a hallmark of all of our lives. We give it all to Jesus. Let's read verses 20 to 24. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, Go into the prostitute's house, and from there bring out the woman and all that she has, as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. And so they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and the gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. We read there that Israel utterly destroyed all that was in the city. They utterly destroyed all that was in the city. And remember, Jericho is a picture of the flesh. And here we have a picture of the flesh being crucified. It was utterly destroyed. It is entirely possible. uh, If. That for you to desire to be free from the ugly fruit of the flesh but also that you fail to take the axe to the root of the tree from which the fruit stems. It is entirely possible to be desire to be free from the ugly fruit of the flesh, but you fail to take the axe to the root of the tree from which it, the fruit stems, i.e. you don't crucify the flesh. And there are many carnal Christians who employ a great deal of human energy, fighting back the impulses of the flesh, forcing back the fruit of the fresh flesh, but always the end in defeat because the axe has not been taken to the root, And it sprouts up again and keeps on growing. The root of the carnal life is self. Living for your own goals, your own pleasures, living to satisfy your wants and your desires. And this must end. An axe must be cast to the root of self. A resolve must be found to live for Christ 
and for Christ alone. Not only does your sin need to be nailed to the cross, you need to be nailed to the cross. And your life must be crucified with cross, Christ. As it says in uh, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus bid his disciples follow me in Matthew 4 verse 19. The disciples left their boats and their nets. The disciples left their tax booths and their income. The disciples left their families in their homes. They left their old way of life behind and followed their new master. Their lives were now under the power and the authority of Jesus. They went where the spirit guided, where the master instructed. They did as the Lord guided and they lived on the master's provision. And the warrior believer, the spiritual believer, leaves their old behalf behind. They are crucified with the, they've crucified their flesh. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They go where the spirit leads them. They do as the spirit instructs them. With each step of obedience to the Spirit's command, they crucify the flesh a little bit more and they die a little bit more. The more we operate in obedience to God, the more the flesh dies and the more the Spirit reigns. And so we see here the warriors going in and crucifying this city. Not crucifying, killing everybody in the city, effectively crucifying the flesh. And then so the final few verses... 25 to 27. And Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute, her father's household and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Then Joshua charged them at the time saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. And so the Lord with Joshua and his fame Sorry. So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout all the country. See, Joshua spared the life of Rahab in line with the promise of the two spies. The faith she expressed in the scarlet cord, the faith that she expressed in the God of Israel, was secured her salvation. You know, it's quite amazing that the walls of Jericho fell, but the house of Rahab remained standing, even though her house was part of those walls. Rahab recognised she could join the warrior believers. It is possible to turn from the carnal to the spiritual. She recognised she didn't have to remain living in the flesh. She should come out and live with those who are operating the spirit. She repented effectively of the old nature and adopted a new nature. And you know, it's all too easy to have a them and us attitude as a believer and you can see it in the church. A believer sees their pitiful, carnal state. They see their sin, their failure. They see their lack of fruit. And then they see a believer, their, their spiritual brother or sister, and they see their victory. They see their fruit and they see the operation of the Holy Spirit in their life. And you resign yourself to thinking, well, this is just the way I am. I guess I'm just a carnal believer and I'm always going to be a carnal believer. And they're the spiritual ones and they'll always be the spiritual ones. Not so. We need to be like Rahab. Rahab saw that her life could change. Rahab saw that she no longer had to live in the flesh. She could come out and live in the spirit. Don't fail to recognise 
that the way of the holy the way is open for you to be filled with the holy spirit don't fail to recognize that the way is open for you to live and walk in the holy spirit don't fail to recognize that you too can be a warrior believer that you too can be a spiritual christian the holy spirit brings conviction of sin and in the first instance this causes the person to flee from sin and run to christ for salvation but in the second instance this brings awareness of our own individual corruption and carnality and this should lead to repentance and this should live uh, lead to us to seeking victory and pursuing a new life a spiritual life a life filled with the spirit being a warrior pressing into the promised land destroying the flesh and coming into the fullness of all that God has for them this is what this passage talks about this passage is for us God has got riches galore he's got a much more fruitful and victorious life ahead for all of us if we would just take that step of faith and start to embrace what he has for us amen Heavenly Father, we thank you for those things that we have read this morning. These are difficult things. These are deep things. And I pray, Lord, that you would take this word and help it make sense to those people that are listening here this morning. Lord, I pray that you would guide us all to a place of greater victory. Help us not to be living in defeat, trying to tackle things in our own strength, but help us to hear your word. Help us to trust in your word. Help us to act in your word. Help us to press forward into victory, crucifying the flesh and coming into the fullness that all that you have for us, that we might bear fruit for you and we might be able to bring you glory. In Jesus name I pray. Amen.